Hi, this is Spider-Man, and I'd love to stick around and listen to amazing spider talk, but Madam Web just told me Doc Ock is about to kidnap Mary Jane Watson, and well, a spider's gotta do what a spider's gotta do. Hello and welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and currently an editor at Superior Spider Talk. Thanks everybody for joining us for another special essentials episode of Amazing Spider Talk, our 26th one. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. 26 essential, Dan. So by my math, we have what? This one and four more after that? I think you're right. Oh, my goodness. Like, I just can't keep up. Um, Did you ever anyway. think the day would be here that we had four left? I don't know. <laughs> right? not really a, a mon- monument, but... Okay. Oh, whatever. We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, <laughs> for this episode, uh, for that essential pick, we're going to be uh, looking at your comic, Dan, which is uh, The Death of Spider-Man. That's uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, number 156 to 160 uh, by Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley. Uh, and then we will be announcing a new raffle contest and our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club segment. And then conclude with um, our old friend Swarm uh, with some B title reviews. Awesome, Mark. Uh, well, you know, listeners who've listened to the show for a while might be a little surprised by the opening of this this episode because we have a new theme song. But we don't just have a new theme song. We have a new song for every single segment on the show it's pretty exciting right mark yeah you know it kind of saves us the trouble of uh you know worrying about what music we can use for youtube now right yeah well, that's <laughs> that's one of the motivators is that we're suddenly free to use all music but i know some people will miss some of our uh hand-picked choices to the show as we're kind of always delivering whether it's a pun or some very subtle musical reference that ties into the issue we're reading. But I think you're going to really dig hearing all these new songs and probably grow to love them as we play them on the show. So, uh, yeah, and, and I'm excited course, to debut them. And of course, Dan, I mean, you know, we essentially can thank our listeners for having the opportunity to get new music. I mean, cause, cause, it, this is this is because of them, right, Dan? I mean, explain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our our Patreon, our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk members club. You know, we have a bunch of great members on there that support the show, and that support goes into a lot of things. But it, I, like we've said, it's not going to our pocketbooks, <laughs> uh, so oh. to speak. It's going directly back into the show. So this music was. Um, it comes from uh, 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 Tony Thaxton, who's a, uh, a music writer. And, uh, and, you know, we use the funds to pay him to write us some awesome music. So, uh, you know, this is for, from you guys for you guys. Excellent, Dan. Well, well, with that note, um, why, why don't we talk about some dead Spider-Man? <laughs> that sounds about as good as anything else. You know, we, we, we keep it going. That's, that's the transitions be damned. Dan, Death of Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man 156 to 160. It's an ultimate comic, so it's got to be your pick because, you know, <laughs> I only I only discovered Ultimate like three years ago. Maybe maybe a little longer now. Um, so, Spider-Man so, was already dead by the time you discovered it. I, you know, I, actually, I, I, I have – I remember when I was starting Chasing Amazing, 
these comics were coming out and I, I, I think I wrote a piece on it. It was like, well, they're killing ultimate Spider-Man, but they'll never kill regular Spider-Man. Not knowing like a year from then they'd be killing regular Spider-Man. Um, but, um, <laughs> with, with, with that said, Dan, um, what, what, what makes this an essential pick for you? You know, Mark, it's funny. Uh, you're, you're talking about, you know, so long ago, not believing that they would kill, uh, the, you know, the amazing, Spider-Man off. We chose these essentials so long ago that when I chose this one, I didn't think that Peter Parker, ultimate Peter Parker would be coming back. (laughs) Uh, And so like, it's kind of put like this weird, like footnote at the bottom of this choice. And, uh, you know, uh, it kind of changed my opinion a little bit and rereading it this week. I, I was, I was shocked to see how, um, that revelation that Peter would come back both changed my feelings about this issue in both good and bad ways. Um, but I think when I talk about this issue, I have to think about like how it made me feel at the time. Um, and, and, and I think on that measure and, and probably historically in, in Spider-Man's history, um, this is probably the closest we'll ever get to reading an actual issue of Spider-Man where he dies and that's, for all intents and purposes, it. There's no feeling that it will be reset. And when this Peter died, like, it was pretty much for good, except that he came back. If he came back, I don't even know how to even get into discussing the return of Peter and how mishandled that was. Um like, but like all Bendis Ultimate Spider-Man, it was kind of derailed by editorial mandate, which is interesting to talk about because this story itself was kind of an editorial mandate um, that Bendis kind of found a way to make work. Um, but that being said, like I think that is the kind of historical like you know note I put on this is that like we're never going to see Peter die. In such an like an honest and and heartfelt way as this, you know maybe the issue itself could be better or the story itself could be better, but the emotions that I brought to it will I don't think will ever be higher. I'm never going to enter into Amazing Spider-Man and seeing that character die and actually think that he's dead. I mean, even Superior Mark. I mean, I don't think either of us thought for a second that the character was dead. Oh, of course not. No. Yeah. And and sorry, continue. No, I mean we just kind of bring a kind of cynicism to that, you know, because it's been done so much. But like, I mean, I, you read this after he had died, but it seemed pretty definitive, right? Yeah, I mean, I was just say, I mean, there was there, there was always something about the the ultimate universe where there was just kind of this inherent understanding that um the rules were different within it and thus, you know, something that could that wouldn't be final in the mainstream could be final now um you know with with that said and you know i'll i'll let you if you still want to kind of outline more essential reasons i'll i'll let you continue but i mean i i i I, i'm there's probably going to be a little pushback from me on this even kind of going beyond what came well after it with the return of ultimate peter but um, but do you have any other kind of yeah, things co- you want to put I, up I front? Yeah, other, yeah, other yeah. Thoughts. I don't want to. I don't want to jump on your on your on your notes here. Yeah, I um I also think that this comic maybe not in the pages of this comic, but um I think this is a really interesting point for the character of Spider Man beyond Ultimate Spider Man, as I think this is the first book to kind of straight up see the idea that Spider Man could be a legacy character, which I think has kind of been abused. Today, I think we're at, like, the saturation point for Spider-Man legacy character roles. Um, I think at the time, this was a really exciting thing. I remember reading a lot of think pieces about, like, you know, Miles Morales and and who would be replacing Spider-Man. At the time, we didn't yet know who it would be, but we all knew there would be someone. Um, And I think that's an interesting place to put it. Um, And then also that... um, I think that this this brings an end to what I still consider the longest best run of any Spider-Man title, you know, Spider-Man comic to to date. I mean, Amazing has got a lot of it's really long and there's a lot of great pieces, but I don't think any Spider-Man title has been this consistently sharp 
for as long as this book has. And I essentially see this as kind of the cutoff point to that. I know there's a lot of people that really like Miles, and I like Miles to a certain degree. But I think Bendis kind of drew a line for himself here. And whether he was trying hard or not with Miles, I think the character has kind of been bungled since his um, inception. Um, and I'm someone that really wanted to love Miles, and I, I do in my own way. Um, but I think this is kind of the end of, like, this really is the end of the Ultimate Universe um, and kind of the end of Bendis as, like, I mean, this is kind of weird to say, but, I mean, we're at the end of Civil War Two. This is the last book of Bendis's that I can think of him, like, being considered a really hot writer that people want to read all of his stuff on. Maybe New Avengers, but, um, I mean, I think this continued past his New Avengers run, right? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, you know, the the next big Bendis book that kind of followed in the heels of the Ultimate Peter to Ultimate Miles transition was Age of Ultron, which is probably, like, the first big real dud that Bendis put out that where, where I think the uh, the chinks in the armor were starting to show in terms of his ability to tell a big story with a satisfactory resolution. And I don't think we've, he's really truly recovered from that. So yeah, if you want to say like, this was the last big book that he stuck the landing on, I don't, I don't think you would get any disagreement from me on that. Yeah. So those are my big points. I actually, when we get into the fine details is where I think my own kind of change of heart, comes in a little bit on this book, but I still want to stick with, I don't think there will ever be a death of Spider-Man that lands emotionally the way this book does. And so in my mind, in my kind of like mind head canon, this is the one true death of Spider-Man book to, to, to own the emotional range of what it would mean if Spider-Man were to actually die. Okay. I, I I I I hear you on that. I mean, you know, I I I think it's funny. I I I liked I like this comic book story. Can I can I start yeah, offering ahead. some some yeah. rebukes here and whatnot? I don't want to. Again, I'm not. This is your pick. I don't want to be the the you know. Anyway, um, and I and I actually remember, even though I had not read Ultimate in full. When this came out, I did read this in in semi real time um, in 2011, and I remember like kind of thinking about it in a vacuum and being like, "Oh, this is you know, this is how you're going to kill a character. This is the way to do it." Um, but you know, it's funny. Like after going back and and having read the entire Ultimate Run, and then rereading this again in preparation for the show. Um, you know, like, like, you know, a lot of, I just, like a lot of issues started kind of percolating to me and, you know, some of it is powered by hindsight, but other of it is just kind of powered by, I think things, if I knew then what I knew now, it would be a little different. Like, um, you know, beyond the return of ultimate Peter in kind of in the lead up to ultimate end a, f- a couple of years ago, um, you know, one of the things, the big things that I feel kind of dulls the impact of this storyline was that they, they, in a kind of roundabout way, had already attempted a story of this type a year or two earlier with Ultimatum. Um, you know, like Ultimate Spider-Man, the first volume of it ends, what is that, like issue 133 or something like that, with, you know, it appearing that, that Spidey was wiped out in that tsunami from Magneto or whatever it was. And, you know, certainly that event was kind of like Marvel's big toilet flush of the ultimate universe. I mean, you know, it could be argued that maybe Marvel should have just ended the ultimate experiment then, um, rather than kind of giving it all these leases on lives to, to keep pushing it. Um, and then, kind of you know they ended up rebooting ultimate spider-man and was it like a flash forward or something i mean i'm I'm trying to remember the mechanics or if it was just like it was some kind of a time jump uh you know peter was dating gwen and yeah new york had was rebuilding itself it just it just 
was so jarring and and i and i felt like not that necessarily what ultimate i mean ultimatum is more or less considered a real low point for marvel in a lot of in a lot of ways and and i don't think the the spider-man component was any better um but at the same token like it did seem like an end and it was certainly an end for everything else. So I just, you know, kind of when I was reading these, all those issues, um, retro actively or whatever you want to call it, I was just kind of like, well, that's just weird. And then like a year or two later they did it again, but this time it was meant to be final. And we were talking earlier about, the finality of, of these events and, and yeah, I, 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 because this was more specific to Spider-Man and it told a more personal story. And I think it was much better and more well-crafted than ultimatum. It, this, this felt realer if you, if you will, whereas ultimatum felt more cynical, but like the fact that they were in tandem with each other, I think does kind of put a, a shade of cynicism on, on, on death of Spider-Man as well. Um, like, you know, like how many times are you really going to kill off this character and, and when is it actually going to stick? Um, so that's like kind of like the, in terms of if I knew then what I knew now kind of a thing, the element of it that kind of ruffles my feathers. And then the second part, and you, and you addressed this when you were talking about miles earlier, but like, you know, this, they they killed off Peter and and you know Miles was kind of on the scene within a few months and you know like whether they they bungled Miles like like Miles I feel like has you know Bendis is clearly very passionate and and protective of Miles but at the same token my there also feels like there are a lot of handlers on Miles and trying to to you know, I don't want to say push an agenda because that doesn't that sounds a little charged, but like you know, like there's definitely this sense of this is Miles. He's he's more reflective of what if Spider Man was created today would be like. And then there's like this effort to like and look, he's got these powers that are a little bit better than Peter's. <laughs> it's 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 Spider Man 2.0, and 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 I, and, I, and like I can't get to, I, you know seeing what they've done with 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 Miles over the years and kind of how not that they've shoved them down our throats because I do like Miles, but there's a, just just this like kind of relentless push of you know we got to make Miles work, we got to make Miles happen um, that it's it's hard to like look at now and be like you know with with hindsight and be like you know did did we just go through this whole thing with ultimate peter to kind of brush him under the rug and make way for miles you know is it was it you know like like it it just feels like you know we had to we had to get rid of the old toy, you know, with, with my son, you know, as a five-year-old, we, 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 we were at the point where our house is overfilling with toys. We're like, look, if you want something new, you got to get rid of something old, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> we just, there's just no room for it anymore, you know? And, and I, I, I like, it's just kind of hard to not look at this whole thing and, and not, and think that too with, with miles and ultimate Peter. And, and, and it's like, you know, do, do we, did we, kill Peter off in ultimate because it was a natural end point or because we didn't want to tell stories with him anymore. Cause we had this new cooler toy that could do cool things and had bigger made, made broader statements about comics and who reads comics and the audience of comics and whatever. Um, and, and I kind of think that has something to do with it. And, and, and so it's like, you know, and yeah, it's kind of wrong of me, I guess, to, to, to bring that element into looking at a story objectively, but you know, that's kind of our role here on this show is to look at the context of things. And, and, and that's, so like, for me, it's like, 
that 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 sucks some of the enjoyment of of this issue, and it makes me question how essential is this? Because is 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 the essential element in terms of Spider-Man history that Ultimate Peter died, or is the essential actually the first Miles story? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, uh, uh, this might come down to pure preference. Like, I just love Ultimate Peter, and for me, this was emotional, and everything I've read. Well, not everything I've read with Miles. There have been good Miles stories. I think the stuff with his uncle was really interesting. Um, but this, to me, it, it, it was an emotional high point for me, and that pushed it onto the list, and that might not be the best qualifier. But um, forgetting editorial mandates and all the things that seemingly got Bendis pushed off track from Ultimatum you know, onward – um, there is something kind of uh, of heartbreaking about where this story lands in the Ultimate Peter story. You know, uh, I mean, would I have loved to see this story continue? Yeah, I think Bendis, you know, he did what he had to to get past Ultimatum, but I thought some of the stories he introduced after that were really quite wonderful. You had the Chameleon Twins and... The Zodiac Key and the Mystery of Mysterio, which was really cool, I thought, at the time. And I still mm-hmm. do think how it was resolved was really neat. Um, and then there was a story that literally preceded this in the death of Spider-Man like prelude uh, involving Jonah offering to pay for Spider-Man's uh, like, you know, web webbing and, and funds and and college if, you know, if he – kept you know being a hero and i thought what a great you know new wrinkle for this character to be to go from being hating spider-man to funding him um Mm. and and the and the poeticism comes in that like like any death you know life doesn't crescendo at your death you know death is abrupt and comes out of nowhere um and while i would love to see those stories continue and the cynical part of my brain says they're just, you know, swapping a toy, like you said. There is something to hit, like all these dangling parts of his life um, that would – some of them come to be resolved during, you know, the future stories like the Mysterio thing. I'm not sure what is happening with the ultimate Zodiac key, although today it means literally nothing. Uh, right. Uh, but I, I thought that was always kind of like – my once my anger subsided about like the decision to kill off my favorite character in comics, uh, I came to kind of ha- have this weird appreciation for the honesty of how abrupt death actually is. Um, even though they told us six months ahead of time that he was going to die, um, right. uh, I don't know how I would have handled this comic if I just opened it and read it and then Peter died. Um, if you just like picked it up on the newsstand and saw the black poly bag and you were like, Oh God, or if it wasn't even called the death of Spider-Man. If it was just like return of the sinister six or something, you know, right. Uh, you know, maybe they were doing it to save me a little bit because I probably would have written them several really angry letters at at the time. Uh, I was a bit more fanboyish, I think then than I, than I am today, um, but yeah. Any, anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I, you know, it is an honest portrayal of of, of the immediacy of death, um, and and I, I do think the actual resolution for Peter is really touching. the The idea that he saves Aunt May and rereading that this time, um, I thought there was something kind of interesting in how um, all the elements that contribute to Peter's death are born of like his change of heart from mm. you know the, the first issue, several issues of this story. They're all kind of born of his like unselfish goodwill. Um, you know, the, the book opens with Captain America um, kind of sidelining him because he's a teenager. He's like, you know, don't even join us in the battle. We're gonna go do our thing. You know, and and Spider-Man's unwillingness to kind of like stand down at that, whereas you know he 
you know, in the first issues and even Amazing Fantasy 15, he would be all too happy for it to not be his responsibility. Um, and, you know, and, and here's a person that bore him ill will, Captain America. He's like, if it were up to me, we would, you know, take away your powers and you, you know, you're more of a liability, you know, and yet he right. risks his life and basically sacrifices his life for Captain America, a person who had just wronged him. Well, to be fair, Ultimate Captain America was a bit of a jerk. Yeah, he is. He's a huge. Uh, the A on his helmet stands it for something not, else. It, yeah. it doesn't stand for France. <laughs> it doesn't stand for America either. Yeah. Uh, although maybe today's America. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, and like, and also like a reversal on how it affects his family. You know, here it's his. You know, goodwill and nature and giving nature that ends up saving his family but costing him something. And so I kind of like that mirror of the origin of the character in some way. It doesn't hit it on the head, um, which is why I never really picked it up, up on it before. But it's something that I thought was interesting rereading it this time. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think that's a good point. Um, what did you think of... Um them bringing back Norman and the six for this. I mean, like in one way you kind of had to for right. the poeticness of it, but at the same token, it's like, like, you know, again, when I read ultimate, I kind of binged on it. So it was like, I definitely had this feeling when I was rereading all this, I was like, Oh God, Osborne again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like, like how many Next chances is this guy going to get? Especially considering he had a great like first death, uh, where he killed his son and then depowered and asked Shield to kill him. Like, yeah, that was a great death. Um, I think there's an interesting element to this story where like Norman comes back, like, and he's not like he's still crazy, but like there's like a different thing that's charging him. He like because he's immortal, he sees a as though he's like on God's mission to mm. eradicate Peter from, from the earth. I think that's an interesting wrinkle. Um, and at the time it really frustrated me that we didn't get an answer to that. And, you know, having read the Peter coming back stuff, I imagine that Bendis was working his way towards that. And I wonder how much of it was, um, him knowing that he would bring them both back, you know, Peter and Norman back again, because there is something interesting to Peter coming back and defeating Norman with the help of someone inspired by his good deeds. Um, right. I think that's really kind of cool. Um, it doesn't really land because the ultimate universe ended like two issues later. Uh, well, that, and also, I mean, like, you know, Miles just kind of came in and was like, Venom Sting. Yeah, well, don't, <laughs> don't get me started on that stuff. Super, super power up, AB, AB start, you know? Like. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I do think that that idea is interesting. If that was Bendis' plan all along, and that speaks to even, like, the ending of this issue, which we talked to Mark Bagley about on one of our first episodes, Um and asked him about that ending where Norman like smiles in, in quote unquote death. Um, and that still irks the hell out of me. It's such, such a wrong note to end this story on. Yeah. Um, I, I, at, at the time I didn't like it. And in retrospect, I didn't like it. I, I just don't. Even knowing what we know, even if Bendis knew what he was ultimately going to do, I just, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's not, to me, that's not the note you go out on. I, I, want, I wonder how much our feelings that all this would change if we got a conclusion to the reborn Peter story. Like, who is he? What is he? How are he and Norman doing this? And does he have one final heroic moment you know, in this regard. But, um, I mean, I think it's, it's an interesting, you know, uh, thing to talk about artistically, like, because Norman, even in his death, watching a child die with his family around him crying and mourning his loss, 
he still smiles. Like, I can't think of a more evil, like, sick in the mind moment for the character. And, and in a way, like, it does give him a moment where he feels victorious, which is, I think, what makes it kind of disgusting way to end the book. Um, yeah. But it's also another way to, like, that the audience gets to look at Norman and be like, what a truly disgusting person this person is. But that's the you thing. Know? When 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 someone when, when you're reading a book about a hero doing something incredibly noble and, and paying the highest sacrifice um, a hero can make, um, that's, to me, not the moment to explore the dark and twisted psych of the, of the evil in the book. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like you want to do that in, in, um, you know, ultimate fallout, go for it. You know what I mean? Like, like, like that could have been like the first page of ultimate fallout. Number one was, you know, kind of back at the scene and you see, you know, we're looking back at the carnage again, but Osborne's got a grin on his face. And then you can kind of look at that in, with a new lens. But, like, that should not have been the ending of, of the last Ultimate Spider-Man issue. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, just, I just can't just – I can't wrap my head around who thought that was a good way to go. It's amazing to me that Mark Bagley, like, as he expressed to us that he doesn't like that, I'm surprised he didn't push back on it more at, at the time. Uh, well – because I, I mean, I think at that point, I mean, this is just—I'm totally spitballing here—is you know, I mean, Bags was not the regular artist on the book anymore, and and I think I mean, you know, let's let it be said. I think it was great that they got him back for this because it it did feel it did help add to the resolution of the story and the finality of it. Um, but you know, it wasn't like you know him and and Bendis going a hundred and. 11 issues straight and having like a true collaboration. I mean, it was, he was kind of a mercenary on this. So like what, 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 what say does he really have? You know what I mean? Like he's just kind of making comics at this point, you know? Um, Whereas, yeah, I think if this was something that was, if this was still part of their consecutive issue run, I bet you it would have been handled differently. And I think it kind of speaks to where Bendis was at that point too. I think, I think Bendis was operating a little too without, without checks. You know, you can, you could talk about the editorial mandates dictating the general pulse of his stories. But like, I mean, you know, I think, you're really starting to see some of the decompression starting to come through in these issues and stuff like that. Like it's, 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 it's kind of like Bendis into 11 in a lot of ways. Cause I, I think, you know, it's just kind of, cause who's going to keep, who, who's, the, who's the check to, to, you know, to balance him out at this point. Yeah. Um, ba- taking a step backwards from that page. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this uh, this like final battle? Because I I think it's really I don't know if it's, I wouldn't say f- a fun read, um, but it it kind of lives up to like in my mind what you know like a final battle with Spider Man should look like even even all the way down to calling you know sh- uh, doing a callback to Action Comics you know. Well, let's just say debut. what. What are we considering the 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 parameters of the final battle? Because I mean, I would you know. say Peter showing up on the horizon, uh, you know, saying, you know, dispatching the vulture and saying, "Who's next?" Right. Okay. No, I mean, it's it's. Yeah, I just I just wasn't certain if you were talking about like Peter versus the full of the six or Peter versus just Norman or or yeah. you know what I mean, like. Um, I mean, no, it's, 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 it's very emotionally fraught and it, and it's well done and, and Bagley's art is spectacular on it. I mean, it's, it's just, it just, I mean, yeah, the, the, the who's next thing with Vulture is just such a great kind of like, you know, ringing of the bell, so to speak. Um, I mean, it's <laughs> ringing just, Vulture's bell. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, if this, if it, it's very cinematic, I mean, you know, like, if this was a Rocky music, a Rocky movie, you know the 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 Vince DiCola uh, main theme of the movie would start at that point. You know, what I mean? yeah, right, right. I'm just thinking about like uh, about like Blondie, you know, like uh, you know from 
the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like I could see Clint Eastwood rolling up on the horizon and saying that line. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's now like like um, doesn't like Craven hit him with like a poison dart or something like that? Or no, that's I just mean, on the cover. Uh, okay. No, they all get kind of dispatched a couple of times through like Electro. Right, and, you know, right. short circuiting him and things like that. Um, I love the moment where, like, Electro, like, they're about to kill him, and Electro blasts Sandman and is like, "No, I'm gonna kill him." And Peter's like, "That's fitting because I always thought that you were my, you know, ultimate nemesis." And he's like, "Oh, really?" And he's like, "No, you're a total loser." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, if only it was Shocker. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> that poor guy. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, the Norman stuff is wild. You know, like he even goes like Super Saiyan at one point when he absorbs the Human Torch's flame. Yes. And uh, that stuff is nuts. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny going back and, and rereading this. Like, I, I like. It kind of reminded me of that whole subplot too, with like the like the super friends kind of stuff going on with Torch and Iceman, and I don't know. That was to me was so that was weird. <laughs> it was, was weird. It was weird. I mean, like, but at the same time, it's the kind of thing. It's like when you've been writing 160 issues of this book. Like he, I think he like adopted the kind of season thing. He's like, we're going to try this out for 30 issues, and then move on from it, you know, right, but, but right. none of it was allowed to conclude because he kept getting interrupted by these weird events, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, you're, you're, yes, you're right. It's just like, I don't know. Like it's, 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 it's one of those things that's jarring. And when you're reading it in retrospect, cause you're just like, all oh, right, we're, 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 we're in that, we're, you know, like, cause it's kind of like, what the hell is Bobby Drake and Johnny Storm doing there? And it's like, oh, that's right. We're in that, we're in that phase. <laughs> or like, why is Captain America about to kill Nick Fury? Like, oh, right. the two ultimate teams that were squaring off. And why is the Punisher going after Cap? I mean, it's just like, very, very strange. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, um, I mean, to me, the heart of these stories is the last couple issues, and and even just the last scene. Um, I, I think Bagley steps it up to like thirteen or whatever uh, when he's drawing Peter's actual death. The image where like you first realize that like this is it, like he's gonna die right now. There's like a softness on Peter's face. Where he kind of realizes that he's dying. Uh, I've never seen Bagley draw Peter that way. It's There's like an added level of like realism or like humanity to, to the drawing that moves it away from the kind of iconographic interpretation of him. And like to me reading it, that really stung. Like seeing him presented so like uh, – Soft, I guess. I don't know. Like, yeah. like, uh, uh, so, so vulnerable. Um, and him kind of saying the lines, like, you know, I did it. You know, I wasn't able to save Uncle Ben, but I saved, you know, my family and Aunt May. You know, uh, who all have great moments returning to save him. Like Mary Jane running into Norman with the truck is awesome. Yes. Uh, but I think that final death, like, I think even just the final image of, like, Mary Jane and Aunt May holding his body in, like, the now much overused, like, Pieta. I was going to um, say, thing. so is this, the, is, is this a Pieta reference or is this a reference to Death of Superman? I, I think it could be one and the same. But, yeah, um, yeah, you know, the Death of Superman, as I, you know, iconographic as, uh, as Michelangelo. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, from a comic book standpoint. Sure, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we also got the action comics reference to kind of precede it. So it puts you in that yeah. mindset, you know. Yeah. But it's kind of nice to see Spider-Man, like, that action comics reference. It's almost like Spider-Man for a brief moment, you know, ascends to the the heroic heights of Superman, you know, for, for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, anyway. All right. I okay. I I have my like hesitations about this book, but 
it still has an emotional place in my Spider-Man, like I guess uh, a head cannon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and 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 again, I mean, for full disclosure here, I mean, you you have a completely different relationship to this character in this universe than I do, and 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 you know, whereas like you know, thanks in large part to you, Dan, I I, I can look at the ultimate universe in a much more appreciative lens than I did five, six years ago. I mean, you know, I think did, we, 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 we talked about, um, learning curve for essentials, right? Yeah. I think that was one of your, and, and I wouldn't argue with you on that in a heartbeat, but yeah, I mean, there's something and you about, have an ultimate Spider-Man pick coming up in one of our final ones. I think that's, I, I believe so. If, if, if we're still going to go forward with it, <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, 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 but there's just something about this. I mean, like to me, like, you know, again, reading, reading ultimate the way I read it, I, I almost kind of feel like the, the clone saga for ultimate was like the last really great story for me. Um, and that like the, 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 the whole concept started to kind of lose steam rapidly after that. And then of course Bagley left and then like, it really took a turn for me. Um, so with this, it's not that I don't like it. I do like it, but like, I, 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 I find a hard time claiming anything from the last couple of years of this series and this universe is essential because like, I just feel like, you know, both leading up to this and then following it, there were so many fits and starts and, and reboots and, and deaths and, you know, there was the, the cataclysm. I, I, there was just so much where you're just like, what do you, you know, and a lot of that had to do with Marvel just, you know, they had a great concept here that had run its course, but no one wanted to admit it. But like at the same token, it's like, you know, why not go out on top? I don't know. I mean, like, I guess it's impo- it's very hard in, in, in a serial industry like comics to go out on top. I mean, who yeah. who can And nobody wanted to leave Bendis alone doing his own thing. Right, right. Well, because Bendis was making money, you know? Like, it's like, (laughs) you know, it's hard to to not want to get in on the cash cow, you know? But, um, yeah, it's like... If we had a, if we had our own ultimate universe, I think I, you know, and could go back and redo things <laughs> in, in, in Spider-Man comics, I, I, I would definitely like want to redo the last few years of that series and then maybe make it a little tidier. And, and, and I don't know, I, 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 I hate to say it, but, you know, I, I, I think there is a place in comics for Miles Morales, but uh, I, I would want to do that differently too, if that makes sense. Yep. I totally agree. Um, all right, cool. So we want to segue into uh spider, uh, friendly neighborhood spider talk members club, Dan. I think we, you just did. All right. That's a segue. Well, there's that new theme song for this awesome segment of the show. And like it says, you might even be lucky enough to win a prize. But that means you have to become a part of our members club. And you can do so by going to SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, clicking on the big button that says Support Superior Spider Talk. And that will take you right to our Patreon page where you can sign up to become a member. And every member gets uh, entered into our raffle for a new comic or trade or whatever it is we're giving away this week. And this week we're giving away a really cool find. Um, I happened to find a really great looking copy of Amazing Spider-Man number 250. Mark- yeah, where, where, where'd you find this comic from, Dan? I mean, what do you, what do, uh, you, you have some methods, huh? I mean, like, you're not, like, raiding my collection from L.A., are you? I mean... I don't know. I may, I may have contacted your parents and then had them send your uh, comic over to me. Oh, uh, that's, that's rough, man. That's rough. I uh, told them, <laughs> you know, as you quickly collect all the uh, annuals, you know, I'm going to need a new leg to stand on <laughs> to lord my collection over you. 
you're missing 250 son uh yeah but <laughs> 250 is a great comic i mean of course it's it's um it's the final um roger stern well story and plot roger stern i mean he plotted a couple issues that followed um this one but it's kind of i mean for all intents and purposes it's the end of the stern jr jr run on the series and it's actually the middle chapter of the last hobgoblin series it's story of uh, with stern uh if memory serves we were sowing the seeds of roderick kinsley in this comic before that all got upended yeah and it's got an awesome cover too i mean one of the one of the cooler uh, Hobgoblin covers with him and Spider-Man like grappling each other with a flaming background and a flaming pumpkin bomb. Uh, and my my favorite little uh, element on this cover is that Spider-Man is replaced in the kind of like Marvel uh, like upper left-hand corner box, the number box, by yes. the Hobgoblin. And he famously says, it's great, steal it. <laughs> yes, and uh, uh, I bet that that actually led to some real headaches for real retailers who saw the book actually being stolen. <laughs> um, no, it was pretty. It's pretty great. It's, you got to love when I was about to say you got to love when comics had fun. That that sounds a little harsh, but I just mean like, I mean Marvel in the eighties. I mean it was just at its peak, and and like because of, they just would do outside the box stuff like that, and and I, I I enjoy that too, and and this is a great comic. So um, talk about a great raffle prize, right? Well, yeah. Well, also on that cover, it's speaking of having fun, it it it, it cheekily says uh, special normal sized two hundred and fiftieth issue, <laughs> uh, which I appreciate the hell out of. Now that we're facing down a nine ninety nine non-anniversary book of Amazing Spider-Man in the coming months. Right. Well, um, hey, I believe Danny Figueroa was the uh, editor on that on that issue. So clearly, and that, that just, all of those jokes have Danny's kind of, you know, handwriting all over them, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's going to be our raffle. And uh, next week, we'll let you know who won the comic and it will be sent over to them in their mail. So if you want to get entered into the raffle, please be sure to go to our website and click on the button that says support and join our patron group. So, uh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Mark, you want to lead us back to the show? Uh, yeah, well, you know, regrettably, um, you know, we go from offering you cool stuff to, um, Bringing in a reanimated Nazi skeleton made out entirely out of bees. Yay. New Year. You seem a little extra chipper today. You're not uh, even yelling about the bee puns. Ah, yes. Well, you see, despite being fairly elected last year, my enemies in the dishonest Spider-Man podcast media were still trying to discredit me because they are losers and didn't know how to get over the fact that I won. But now, as we enter the New Year, it appears that everyone is finally getting around to accepting me as the Supreme Chancellor of the Bee Book Reviews. Supreme Chancellor, like like Palpatine. That Dan, that's, Dan, that's Dan, not... Dan, Dan, swarms, guys, guys. It's Mark. Sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I have a really important announcement to make about the future of our show, Dan. Oh well, we do that. Seems like every other week. No, no, this is really bad, Jen. I just read a news report on BuzzFeed. <laughs> Get it, Swarm? Uh, But there was some evidence in tampering in our B-Book host poll last year. Tampering? You mean like people voted more than once? What do you you mean, Mark? Worse than that, Dan. So apparently there's a hive of hackers from the Primorsky Cry region of Russia that infiltrated our servers. It's uncertain whether or not the results were changed in any way, but, but... The, there the was Primorsky some tampering. Cry region of Russia, Mark. 
Isn't that where one can find Russia's primary population of honeybees? Glasses push. Absolutely, Dan. I mean, would I make something up like that up without at least Googling it first? And, you know, certainly I just knew that off the tip of my tongue. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're very intellectual here at uh, Amazing Spider Talk. Wow, Mark, that's just a total game changer. Swarm, do you have any response to these, well, their accusations, to say the least? What? Hacking? Russia? This is absurd. Where's the proof? Disgusting. It could have been anyone who broke into your servers. Doesn't your site get hacked like every three weeks? Unfair. This is a conspiracy against me. Ask my friend, Sean Hannaby. Sad. And with that, Swarm has buzzed off, Dan. Oh, we're going to have to call Sean Hannaby. <laughs> yes, it's, 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 I'm sure Sean Hannaby will have some of the uh, the bees from the uh, the Primorsky Cry region and, you know, defend them as being very American bees for, for voting for Swarm. They're Americanized uh, <laughs> bees. Very patriotic. Anyway, um, so speaking of patriotism, <laughs> Civil War number two. Oh, the, the that last was pretty issue. smooth. We try, um, you know, kind of keeping with the theme of the of our new B book reviews. Where instead of going laboriously through all of these issues, we're just going to kind of pick one or two here. Um, Civil War two ended ended its run this week. Um, Dan, I don't know if when we were doing the individual issue reviews, if I gave a single issue a positive review uh, or found it buzzworthy, as Swarm would say. Um, you did. You did. I did? Okay. I mean, I think when it started, you were a little more positive to it. I, I had a lot of doubts. I just felt that the the general premise was very flimsy, and the whole thing felt um, just kind of a cynical way to kind of get get some cash on a concept that was far more popular, even if it was popular for reasons I'm not always on board with. Um, this comic ended its run, and, you know, again, it's kind of like, it's kind of, you know, we're under the impression that everything has changed, but Dan, it's just, this just whole thing. It's just a mess. Like what, 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 what am I supposed to take from this series? What did you take from the series? Well, was there even a war in this Mark? I mean, like it came down to the very end. It's just the two people that have been fighting from the very beginning. I think there were some interesting ideas about this kind of like profiling thing and how that, and you know, making Captain Marvel as kind of like the top cop. And I don't think her character change is as dramatic as some people have made it out to be saying this is like character assassination because I've been reading her series and all the books she's appearing in leading up to this. And it actually kind of makes sense. But like this final issue is such a nothing. Like they didn't even have the balls to kill off Tony Stark. Spoilers. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's, (sighs) They didn't they, they, like that. That was the other thing too. I'm like, what am I taking away from Tony Stark's future? I mean, it's like they're they, they're clearly putting them on ice in a way so that once again we can kind of play around with a new toy as a major Marvel character. But like, I don't know. Like, like I thought I thought Tony Stark was supposed to be like the new Marvel mascot, and instead it's like I don't know. Like I I just I there's nothing about the way this whole series ended and, and the status quo going forward were made, that makes me go, wow, I really want to read about these characters some more. Yeah, and what really gets me is the, the previous issue had this kind of cool tease of the old man Logan world and the possibility of that being the future based on some like big event that happens. And it's tough to get involved in a book when it's like – this event that ends the book is going to have ramifications when the event that ends the book isn't really that interesting or even less interesting than they made it out to be. Um, like, oh, Tony Stark is in stasis? Like, what? Even yeah. Characters can't elaborate on what that means. They're like, he's in some kind of thing we can't tell you about and can't explain. And you're like, well, then I don't give a <laughs> you know? Right, right. Um, and... You know, Ulysses or whatever, he goes on to become like some new. Eternity. He's like a cosmic. Yeah, he's like a cosmic deity now, right? I mean, essentially. Yeah, but even the result of his powers, like when I turn the page 
and it was solicit covers for future issues, I like almost rage quit the book. Like, which is basically what it happened at Age of Ultron too. I mean, like this is the second. I mean, the major Bendis event in a row where like. You know, the last issue became solicits for all the new products that Marvel was pushing because of this book. You know, it's like, what are you doing? It's such blatant, like, like crony capitalist bullshit, you know? Yeah. And, and, and like, I just don't get because, like, even even with some of the events that were not as great over the last few years, I, I, I maybe... I mean, maybe, uh, what do you call it, Axis, you could say, was pretty pretty terrible on all fronts but like original sin which i i didn't love but like i don't know like like why did why did why do we only seem to get this kind of bottom of the barrel with these bendis events now like i i I just don't get like is it that bendis is more agreeable to editorial manhandling or is he complicit with it i mean like like what what is going on here like 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 how does how do you get to secret wars where you literally were like inventing an entire new status quo for the marvel universe and it's not that blatant of a of a cash grab you know (laughs) i mean what i don't get is you get something like secret wars where he could have used 50 more pages like yeah parts of that story are missing you know and here's a book that was given even more time than Secret Wars, and there's just nothing contained in it. Like nothing – literally nothing happens other than Carol and Tony getting ang- you know, getting angry at each other and the Hulk dying. Um, right. Which, which almost is- feels like a tangent to this story. It didn't really further their anger towards each other. They were angry from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, the the whole Hulk dying thing, I mean, I think the only great thing that came out of that was, did you read the Spider-Man Deadpool Christmas issue? I did, yeah. I enjoyed uh, Deadpool's gift to Kate Bishop, which he thought was for a regular Hawkeye, which was, you know, I killed the Hulk and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's a real shame about this is, you know, you've got Marquez doing the artwork. And this guy is a superstar, and he's yeah. given he's given he has a couple amazing spreads in this final issue, like the one of like Tony launching all those missiles at Carol over the Capitol building uh, is awesome. But for most of this issue, it was just like talking heads, like what a waste of this artist. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we do want to kind of find a silver lining, I will also add that I mean. And and I guess it's like no thanks to this series per se, but like I did like how this planted the seeds for champions with Miles, Miles's character. And I think, I mean, champions, I mean, I just read the most recent issue and I still maintain it's one of the best new books I've Marvel's put out in a while for me. I mean, in terms of just kind of the overall aura and 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 lightness and and fun of it you know what i mean like um and you know and i kind of like that idea of like the old you know the old guard and the new guard and kind of you know like the generation gap with with these heroes right now and but you know that was just a seed that was planted i mean it, it was it's it's the creative teams of creative team of champions that's actually making that that concept sing right now it, it, nothing nothing in civil war like makes you go necessarily like, Oh, I want to read a book about that because they don't, you know, nothing, nothing in it feeds that in any tangible, meaningful way, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, imagine, you know, maybe this book could have been more effective if let's say it was published on schedule, you know, we're now four issues into champions and this book is dropping on the same day. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, like that—that's that, the other thing too. I mean, we're we're, we're now a second big event in a row that's just got majorly derailed by schedule. And like you said, at least with Secret Wars, you can make the argument that um, there was just so much density to it that it was it was just not going to happen in a, in a reasonable timeline. But like for this, like, what was what was the holdup? Like, what do we what? 
what needed to be redone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I think Marvel, the lack of sales on this book and, you know, th- this new announcement about the digital codes, which we'll get into next week, and, like, the, the kind of, like, sales hit that Marvel's been taking, like, I think they've earned every inch of it. Yeah, I, 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 it's unfortunate. And, and you know, you got you to gotta think in terms of Bendis – this has got in terms of big blockbuster books where he's the name that sells it. This has got to be a swan song, right? Yeah, I mean, I think people are straight up sick of these events. I think Monsters Unleashed is gonna just tank. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, are we? Are we, Dan? I'm asking you on the air. Are we like gonna be talking about that on this show? Because I have no, no interest. I have no, I have no interest in picking it up. Okay, I just I just was like, what is this? <laughs> I keep which, seeing the which, answer. Which is a shame because I think after Secret Wars, I would have told you, all right, I'm back on board for these events. Um, right. But not like this. No, and I mean, is there is there anything else like of company wide that's in the hopper that that's been solicited beyond Monsters Unleashed? No, I don't. I don't think so. I'm sure they're working on whatever it is. Oh, I'm sure they are. But I'm just saying. But like, you know, I think we were starting to hear about Civil War two around this time last year. Yeah. Um, whereas, I think, you know, because I mean, we're going to be we're we're only a few months out from Free Comic Book Day, and that's usually kind of like the big day to start sowing the seeds for the summer events. And I think the next thing is just going to be a, a slew of number one relaunches, you know? Yeah, probably. Uh, I think Spider-Man's going to relaunch this summer. I, you know, I think he's going to lead the charge for a bunch of other relaunches. Yeah. He might relaunch in time for his movie. Well, not, not for his movie, in time for my book. <laughs> <laughs> How fortuitous. <laughs> Are you are you twisting some like some 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 wrists over at Marvel to make that happen? Yeah, exactly. You know, there's nothing else going on that's related to Spider Man this summer, so it might as well just be about my book. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> all right, Dan. Well, why don't you start taking us home? Yeah, of course. You can find all of our new amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most recently on YouTube. By searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a rating and comment to let us know how we're doing and we'll read it on the air. And that goes with, uh, with any opinions on the comics we discussed today or any questions. Of course, you can email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. You can call Nine Red Goblin, our awesome hotline that was <laughs> potentially fortuitous and, and ended up not being fortuitous. Uh, and you can tweet at us with OK to print, and we'll re- we will address and read it on the air. Yeah, Dan, and be sure to check out both of our Facebook pages and subscribe to our brother podcast, The Ultimate Spin, uh, which is where you can keep up with the adventures of Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales, uh, including comics in which they appear together, which is going to be like next month. So yay for that. <laughs> yeah, and also don't forget, like we said earlier, to check out our friendly neighborhood Spider-Talk members club to help support the show and win more great prizes like today's giveaway of amazing spider-man number 250 on next week's show mark we're gonna be talking about another essential book uh it's your pick this time so what are we going to be talking about well dan it's funny that we're going to be giving away uh, amazing spider-man number 250 because the the comic i want to talk about next week is uh, a comic that came out two issues after that one which would be Amazing Spider-Man number 252, a.k.a. the start of the alien costume saga. Um, and the start of one of our favorite runs. Yes, the, the Falco Friends run. So um, we should have some fun talking about that one. Yeah, awesome. So, Mark, uh, if we wanted to follow you on the Internet or order your book, how would we do such a thing? Well, uh, in terms of following me on the internet, uh, probably the best place is uh, on Twitter at ChasingASMblog. And of course, you can find my writings at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. I mean, we recently wrapped up Lost Gems. Uh, and uh, yeah, 
I'll have to uh, get some new things going soon, Dan. Uh, I'll, I'll come up with some. <laughs> kind of hit a lull. Sorry. Um, and then, uh, yeah, look look on uh, Amazon and other major online retailers, and you can pre-order a copy of my book, uh, A Hundred Things Fans uh, Should Know or Do About Spider-Man Before They Die. Uh, which is going to be coming out this summer. You can also find a link on superiorspiretalk.com to just click on it that way. Um, you know, buy our book, support support me, and by proxy, our show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, I'm really we're, excited we're... about it, Mark. Oh, great. Now, Dan, where can we find you? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk. And, uh, yeah, Superior Spider Talk is the home for all the things I'm writing these days. Uh, Mark, you know, your Uncle Ben is dead for good now. Yeah. You know, no news stories to crap. He's just flat dead. Though I'm sure in the future there'll be plenty more for you to, you know, remember uh, going forward. Uh, But what was it that finally did the old man in after all his misadventures? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, we we've 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 kind of killed him and brought him back so many times. I mean, we've had mob ties and and killer monkeys and whatnot, but but no, he he um, you know, Dan, you could you we're not more we're not immortal in this world. Can I and- venture a guess? Does it have to do with Canadian bacon? No, no, come on, that's absurd. Like what is this is the stuff of comic books? I mean, you know, Uncle Ben, he was like 92. Lived a good life, you know. He, he he went peacefully, Dan. That's all. He, that's all I got. I, I I you know I don't understand why I need to come up. Why you have to make me rehash the 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 death of a good man uh, who you know lived to be ninety two, um, and then you know on on his ninety third birthday, um, a bunch of. Um, goblin creatures crept up from the floorboards and started to eat him alive and as he was screaming in agony he said i was gonna just die at 93 and with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk that's how i want to go mark peacefully 